The way that the French relate to food is very different to the way that the U.S. people or the Americans, for me to generalize, are relating to, to food. And if you look about what the French people are eating, it's very, very close to nature, much closer to nature from what we eat in the U.S. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where we're determined to bring you back to your superpower self. And joining me all the way from Chile is a lovely chef. I have Chef Matt here, who has quite the story of how to get us all to balance our blood sugars. I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about his background, but he is from the south of France. And one of the things he's realized is the French may do a better job of managing their blood sugar compared to we Americans or many people around the world. So as a chef and a chemical engineer, he seems to have figured out the secret. So Chef Matt, welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have you here. I don't even know what time it is in Chile right now. What time is it there? Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I'm very delighted to be here. So now in Chile is 20 to 8 p.m. So okay, gotcha. It's a bit later from where you are. Okay, good. At least I'm not waking you up at like two in the morning to do the show because that has happened before. (laughs) There's still some light here. (laughs) Okay, lovely. Well, you know, talk to us about your journey into trying to understand blood sugar and glucose, why you even think it's important. And then how did you marry your chemical engineering with being a chef? To me, that's fascinating. I get it because I used to love chemistry and now I love like cooking and food and stuff like that. But somebody else out there might be like, what? What's the, what's the, what's the so fill us in. What's the strange mix behind it? So as you mentioned, I'm French. I was born in the south of France, raised uh, in the family vineyard in the south of France, close to Bordeaux. So very, I would say, culinary awakening over there. Although my family was working in the wine industry, I moved to a more a bit engineer and more square studies. So I studied chemical engineer, learned lots of context around the way the thing works and the way the body works. Because at the end, the, the, all the, the chemistry uh, inside our body is also related to chemistry science. So I was not really focused on health a lot about the beginning of my career. So I moved into an, uh, a very conventional career, I would say, working as a chemical engineer on different companies. And over the time, I've seen my health not going so well. Interesting. <laughs> and I remember uh, one. I was at uh, that time I was working in the south of Argentina for uh, a big company, and I was working a lot, uh, lots of responsibility, a lot of stress, not looking too much about what I was eating, <laughs> uh, focusing on other priorities. And I remember uh, um, a medical testing that the company was running annually for all the people that were working there, and the doctor that at that, at that time was working for me. I was in charge of that area call me and say, you know, boss, <laughs> it's not going very well. So that was really the awakening call for me. Uh, I was really very passionate about food, but somehow with my professional career, I lost a little bit my 
I would say the direction that the French have and have started living the crazy life of yeah. busy people with lots of responsibility and that start to affect my health. Mm. So since that moment, I made a very significant shift, study what was going on with my body, tried at the beginning to work out a lot because I think it's, I would say the, the common response that everybody starts with, yep. I'm not feeling well, okay, working out. And then I figure out that if I was not eating well, that was not going to help my health. So I start moving the, the needle a little bit in the kitchen, start eating and start studying. It's where I, I discover the, the, I would say, the importance of the blood glucose and monitoring the blood glucose and understanding what is behind the food that we are eating and how the body is responding to the food that we are eating. And then starting tweaking progressively the way I was eating to correct my glucose management, I would say, and start seeing all my indicators going much better. So I think that's, so, I mean, to me, that's so interesting. So first let's break down, like when you're in the stressful lifestyle and trying to work out really hard, uh, what, what were you dealing with? Were you overweight? Were your blood markers high? Was cholesterol high? What was happening there? It was lots of blood markers high. Okay. Sugar, blood sugar, it was urea, it was high pressure, lots of different aspects that don't necessarily relate it to glucose. But then when you unpack that information with a little bit of science background, right. uh, you figure out that if you start controlling or managing better your glucose, you see all those indicators start flowing in the right direction. In the right direction, right. Over time, obviously, it's not, it's not one day after another. but mitigating all those spikes, those glucose spikes, and start eating a little bit more uh, conscious about the way that your body responds and how to avoid spike or limit the amount of spike that you have uh, really make a big difference on your blood markers. Obviously, blood sugar, but others too. Blood sugar for sure, but like, and probably cholesterol, I'm guessing your cholesterol might be involved in that to a certain extent, A1C, all of those things, right? All of, all of that, exactly. Yeah, the plus, we call that for those of you listening or watching and the weight, right? We call that for any of you watching or listening, that's the metabolic soup, right? Like A1C, <laughs> blood glucose, fasting insulin, cholesterol, blood pressure, weight, that's your metabolic a quick gauge of your metabolic, sort of where you stand metabolically. And if those numbers are starting to go awry, then we know your metabolism's definitely getting impacted. But what I find so interesting is that you had the response that so many people have, right? Like I'm, my markers are off. I'm going to work out harder. A lot of women respond with, I'm going to work out harder. I'm going to starve, but that didn't work out. Correct. What did that, what did working out harder do? Exactly. So I start with that common response that everybody is having. And today that I'm, I'm on the other side of the, I would say the desk, I see lots of people having that response and, and not solving anything. So people starting working out very hard and then that you create more stress. If you don't feed properly, you create deficit and then you nearly increment the problem. And especially if you move into a low calorie diet at the same moment, it's the recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah, uh, so totally. Because because trying to limit calorie, where I think we, as a society, we, we clearly have a very strong mistaken belief that, that limiting calorie is going to solve that problem of glucose, overweight, and that, that creates lots of problems because when you limit the amount of food that you eat and you starve your body, you create another kind of problem because or you're not solving the problem that you're trying to, to resolve. So 
And so seeing that after several months working out very hard and starving myself sometimes because it's also very hard to maintain a starvation diet. So you can right. maybe do it for a couple of days, weeks, months if you're really, very strong. <laughs> but then you break and, mm. and you rebound. So, so maybe you had improvement a little bit, I mean, short-term improvement, but then you rebound and it's worse than ever. <laughs> so, and that's what we see over and over, right? That's at least with my patients, that's what I see. I'm sure you see it with people that you work with. So what, what are we doing wrong and why do Europeans and maybe the French have this down better? What's going on? So I think, I mean, maybe to answer the question of what, what are we doing wrong is maybe thinking about calorie and thinking that the food is only calorie, that means an amount of energy that we are putting into our body. It's just a very, very important mistake because food is more than anything else information for our body and our body is responding to that information. So when you figure out that, then you start understanding that it doesn't, it's not the same thing to eat a certain amount of calorie under a certain diet and a certain amount of, and the same amount of calorie and other diets. And what I would say is, what the French are doing a little bit different, and that's show up in the stat, I would say the, the public health stat. Uh, I mean, we have around 7% of pre-diabetes in, in France, 6% of diabetes when wow. it, in the US, there is a third of the population have pre-diabetes. Uh, that's, I mean, that's nearly 100 million people with pre-diabetes. Uh, right. So and what we go so, USA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and it's not. I mean, it's, no. not to, it's not. It's not. In a, I'm not saying that in a way that to critique. I would say the, the the lifestyle or the decision of the of the country. However, one thing that is very clear is the way that the French relate to food is very different to the way that the U.S. people or the Americans, I mean, to generalize, are relating to to food. And if you look about what the French people are eating, it's very very close to nature, much closer to nature from what we eat in the U.S. So mm. you see where the ingredients come from and the way they are processed or non-processed or the amount of processed food that is in the average French diet, it's very low. So people create their meals from raw, non-processed ingredients instead of having a very ultra-processed amount of food in their plate. And that mm. creates a huge difference. Because then you have less ultra-processed carbs, you have less fillers, less chemicals, and that's clearly impact your body or, or impact less your body and create for you a better glucose response to the food that you are eating. So that would say I would say that that's the first thing. Interesting. Uh, and the second thing is, I mean, and it's it's a little bit, um, I would say, it has been taken by several movies around French people. One thing of the, of the French lifestyle would say that there is a certain amount of movement in the day of a French. Mm -hmm. Why? Because maybe the, the way that the cities are structured makes yeah. people walk more. So it's not that the French people go to the gym. They generally don't. I mean, big portion of the French go to the gym. But in average, I would say mm, fewer people are going to the gym than in the U.S. Definitely. But the amount of walking is much higher. And that's right. little extra movement that people are making, especially walking, which is a very positive activity, improve very significantly the way that your body is dealing with glucose management, especially if you're walking after breakfast or if you're walking after lunch to go back to the office or if you're walking back to your house. So if you 
has those extra steps in the day that improve significantly the way that your body is managing the glucose. Mm. And finally, the third reason I want to mention around what the, the French people are doing is when you look at the plate of what people are eating in France, on top of what I already said, that is generally less processed, is also less loaded with carbs. So an average French... So what about the bread and the cheese and the wine and all that? It's much much more loaded in fats. It's a Mm. very significant portion of the French French eat in terms of calorie come from fats, like saturated fat, like cheese, milk, cream, butter, Mm. uh, olive oil. So that uses a significant portion of the diet of the French. Then protein, because all the meals in the French diet are protein centers. So you start thinking, when a French think about what are we going to eat, it will start thinking first about protein. What Uh. kind of protein source we're going to have? And then pack around that side dish that generally are, I would say, I say generally because obviously you will see a French person eating sometimes French fries or, or spaghetti, but in general is non-starchy veggies that have been prepared with extra fat eggs cheese cream and that so that that plate in average i would say contain much less carbs than an average american plate i would say Hmm. that 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 created a huge difference because if you eat less carbs so then you have less glucose spikes or or fewer right because you had more protein more fat so that decrease your response to to the eventually the amount of carbs, including the bread <laughs> that you are eating. And then I can talk about the bread. And that limitation of the amount of glucose spike that uh, that meal practice creates at the end, day by day, year after year, much less metabolic issues. So, and the French will eat late too, right? They eat late at night. They're not necessarily eating early in the evening. Yes, but not too, too. yeah. Later, I would say that the the general practice in the US, uh, but I would say an average French will eat between 7, 8 p.m. uh, dinner. And then Uh, how many many glasses of wine per night is the average (laughs) French person having? Well, in average, and I investigate all that very interesting yeah. statistic from my book that I think we will talk a little bit later, but, right. but in average, a French have three glasses of wine per week. Per That's week? The, per week. In average, obviously. I mean, I'm sure that... We're like a drunk country. Do you know how many people come to me and like, oh, I have my two to three glasses of wine a night or like, <laughs> they're at like 14 drinks a week. You're saying three a week? That's the average. It's generally wine. It's not cocktails, which have high sugar content. Right. It's not uh, liquors, which generally go with extra sugary beverage that also increase the problem. Right. So, and obviously it's it's an average. So obviously I guess that big portion of the people have, are having significant more than that and a right. portion significant less than that. Right. Uh, but at the end, the French have wines, but not, I mean, not a massive amount of wine. <laughs> mm, interesting. All right. Happy New Year, superstars. I love a new year. It's such a great time to reset our health, really be reflective and think about the things we want to accomplish in the year ahead. 
Now, a new year is also a great time to get your health back on track, right? So for myself and my patients who are looking to build a foundation for better health, Athletic Greens is my go-to. I am absolutely loving this product. I've gotten rave reviews from so many of my friends and patients that have started this. Athletic Greens is an easy option for optimal nutrition. It's one simple scoop of the Athletic Greens powder, and you're absorbing in that one scoop 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. If you don't know where to begin and your new New Year's resolutions, this might be the place to start. And then what have you seen? Because I know you talk a little bit about glucose monitors and tracking glucose, which I'm a huge believer in. In fact, I'm trying to get my own personal deck. I've used the Freestyle Libre, which is the one that goes in the arm. That was super interesting. What I learned, I've shared that before on the podcast, what I learned with that, which was crazy, but like on vacation, even though I'm eating everything I don't normally eat and whatever else I'm doing, my blood sugars were lower than they are here in the country where I'm stressed out and doing 50 things at one time. So that was my big lesson with that. So on that, I used to wear a CGM also. So yeah. when when I start uh, when I start structuring all the glucose chef uh, and and all the, the I would say the the offering and the program, I mean using that French lifestyle to help people moving out a little bit of ultra processed, ultra stress, and use or inspire themselves from the French lifestyle to bring some hacks and secret in their life to decrease the the or to improve their glucose management. So I wear CGM for four or five months. And on those four or five months, I traveled to France because I'm living in Chile in South America. So mm-hmm. I have, obviously, I'm French. So I'm living pretty much like a French. However, I'm outside of France. So I also see the difference right. when, when I'm here and when I'm in France. So I was wearing a CGM when I was in France. And I was generally, exper- I mean, living normally. I'm taking care of what I'm eating. So I'm eating pretty much unprocessed. Uh, pretty much to the thing that I recommend to the person I work with. So pretty much low carb, lots of veggies, uh, non-starchy veggies, significant amount of protein and healthy fats. But going to France in vacation, so moving out a little bit about of yeah. that, that, I would say, clean diet, because I was eating bread, I was eating the apple tart my mother was making, I was eating uh, pastry sometimes walking back from the farmer's market and it was crazy my glucose i mean was i mean not stable but obviously if if you eat a pastry with with sugar it will spike right it was spiking significantly lower than i was what i was experiencing here yes then coming back and unpacking all that information i look into the details and find out also so stress rest Stress is a big driver, the way your body responds to glucose. So if you stress, all the hormonal response that you will get is much, much higher uh, than what you have if you're not stressed. Then if you rest better, if you were in vacation, I was in vacation too. I was sleeping very well. <laughs> and that improved significantly the way you respond to stress and then improve your glucose management. Then I was working a lot because I had no car in France. Uh, I was working to the farmer market. I was going to the beach. I was working to over there. So that extra walking was helping significantly on managing my glucose. And the final thing is what I was eating, including the carbs, was much less processed 
from mm. what I was eating here in Chile or over there in the United States. So the quality of the ingredient make a huge difference on the way that you, our, our body is responding to this ingredient. So in going back to your question about the bread, there is something very interesting at the bread because you can, you can, so as I was wearing the CGM, I could try different type of bread. So if you have a very industrial ultra processed bread, you see your glucose going crazy after, uh, especially if you eat only the bread. I, I, I eat only the bread to test it. And your glucose was, my glucose was crazy. And then you move into uh, higher quality bread up to um, uh, sourdough bread making at home with slow fermentation, with high quality flour, flour. That was completely different, much, much lower. And what I figure out is in France, I mean, there, there were, there's a very, very strong regulation uh, around the bread that obliged or enforced the baker to make quality bread with certain quality of flour and certain amount of uh, time of fermentation that, ah. that also increased the way that the bread is, I would say, uh, more friendly with our mm-hmm. metabolism. Interesting. And that's created a very, very big difference, I think, for the French people as a whole, because you're right, we, we are eating significant amount of bread because in average, a French person is eating around 200 grams, 250 grams per day. So, wow. Yeah. And that's, and that's the main source of carbs. So the requirement for making bread is legislated by the government or recommended by the government or no, it's legislated. So it's legislated. Are, so oh, wow. They, they regulated the quality of flour and the way the process that the bread is made to limits and to protect the public health against the very, very industrial bread. They're not getting any flour from the U.S. Like the U.S. is not supplying flour or... I don't think so. I don't think Interesting. so. Interesting. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what about wine though? U.S. wines versus French wines. I've heard a lot of debate there. Is it doing something to blood sugar as well or not necessarily? So, it, I mean... Wine and, and alcohol is interesting in terms of uh, blood glucose. So, uh, when you test, I mean, it can depend if you are pre diabetic, diabetic, or healthy person. But, uh, I mean, in average, what, what alcohol is doing, and especially if you're having wine, it's delaying. I mean, it's, it's, it's put on hold the way that your liver is working. So, the, the liver will focus on removing this toxin because alcohol is toxic for our right. body. So, so, the, the liver, we focus on removing that toxin from your body and not uh, producing the glucose to feed you, to feed your, your, uh, your blood. So when, when you, what you see generally when you're having some, uh, some, some wine, you see after, after the, so generally if you have wine with a, with a meal, after the, the, the spike or non-spike of the meal, you see generally that you can enter uh, an hypoglycemic because mm-hmm. as the alcohols, stop your glycogenesis of the liver. So then you are in a very, in a situation where you enter hypoglycemic. So one interpretation I'm making as a chemical engineer is when you're having some wine with meal that have some carbs that delay the spike that you may have if you're not consuming wine. And it's one, I mean, there's a couple of scientific studies around uh, the impact of wine and alcohol consumed during a reasonable amount of wine and alcohol consumed during your meals. And they, in average, seen that 
that limited consumption of alcohol is improving your blood glucose response after those meals. And the studies say that it's the explanation of the French paradox of how come the French can be healthy, <laughs> eating all that delicious fatty food and wine. So it delayed the spike and, and it slowed down the spike. The, the problem with people that already have issues with their blood glucose management is it's sometimes very difficult to manage that iPod that come at night or after you have uh, a meal with alcohol. So it's, 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 you have to be very cautious when you are pre-diabetic or diabetic around alcohol consumption because that treat, that iPod that can dysregulate completely the way that your body is, is managing glucose. On top of, that's um, what I see with the people I'm, I'm working. Uh, the people I'm working, generally, I uh, incentivate them. It's not, I mean, mandatory, but I incentivate them to use a CGM for yeah. a certain period of time so they can see it. Yeah. See exactly yeah. the data of how is the glucose, uh, your blood glucose uh, with the diet that you are eating. So I make, I make an awareness <laughs> period where, where I say, okay, do exactly what you're doing usually, eat what you eat generally but with a CGM. And we will see how your glucose is responding to your current diet or to your current lifestyle. And then we start, we start from there and moving and tweaking their lifestyle to improve their glucose management. And what I see when they consume alcohol is a nightmare for them the day after that. Mm. And, for the, and for some people the day after the two day, during two days after they, they had alcohol because the body is really dysregulated by that alcohol consumption and they had lots of trouble on restabilize their glucose after that that's uh, that consumption interesting goodness gracious so um <laughs> it does explain for many of my patients for example that drink a lot of wine or alcohol at night and they have seen on their blood sugar monitors their blood sugar go down but i think what's happening is they're having a spike later exactly. and that later spike is presenting like hot flashes, night sweats, waking up in the middle of the night, like, you know, all that other stuff. So they're having that, that issue there. It's so interesting that you talk about processed foods because we have such a problem with that in America. And now I think it's becoming global. How much regulation does the French government have around the availability of ultra processed foods, even in a fast food joint, like a McDonald's or a place like that? I would say so. Obviously, it will depend on what product exactly we are talking about. So I would say that, and on the stats, if you look about, so I generally say that the French are free, much, I mean, free from pre-diabetes, which is not exactly true because we do have pre-diabetes or diabetes. However, with a rate which is much lower than the US. But if you look at the trend, that, that percentage is growing very, very quickly, including in France. Mm. And why that? Because because processed food is penetrating the society. And if you look about the age of the people that are developing those metabolic disease, you see all the young people that yes. drink soda, eat fast food. And I would say, and I mean, regulation will, will avoid that maybe some chemicals or some fillers or I would say colors are some colors are prohibited in France or and in the rest in the, in, of Europe that are used in, in the United States. So those those won't make the cut to be in, in France. However, you see all the young people that do have a, I would say, American lifestyle, uh, going to fast food, 
soft drinks and that, and you see the rate of prediabetes and diabetes and metabolic disease increasing at a very, very uh, fast pace. Wow. 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 The more like we dig into this, we're understanding it is all about blood sugar, blood sugar regulation, what does spike it, what does not spike it, that type of thing. So that's an issue definitely for sure. Well, you have a book coming out. So talk to us about the book because it dives into this and hopefully helps us with maybe making living in a place like America around the world. How do we make this a reality when we're prepping our meals. Like if you go to a restaurant or if you do things, like what are the things we can do, right? To control what's happening here. I know I'm all about wearing a glucose monitor. I've prescribed them for tons of patients, even for myself, because that's a great educational tool for sure. But tell us about your book and and how it can help us. Okay, great. So for everything that we discussed, People can think, yeah, but I'm not living in France. What can I do? Right, right. <laughs> and, and it's a legitimate, uh, legitimate question. So what I've done over the last years is observe what the French are doing on a daily basis that make a difference in terms of glucose management, from food to the way we move to stress management, and including to some maybe a little bit more esoteric aspect like culture, love all the different aspects of the culture on which the French are living. And I extract 40 hacks from the French lifestyle and explain it in the book and explain how you can use it independently if you're living in France or not, how you can use it and implement it in your daily lifestyle to make a difference slowly but surely to your blood glucose management. So Mm. it goes from the way that the people, I mean, the way that the French relate to food. So I talk a lot about pleasure around eating, the way our brain is working, the way that uh, how how come eating slow and enjoying a delicious and tasty food make a huge difference. And that's a very important part of the French culture, especially the gastronomy culture, mm-hmm. because we, we already food focus. We think all the time about what we are going to eat and what we're going to prepare. But at the end, when we get to the plate, all that expectation and energy that has been put in the plate creates stuff that, I mean, f- a food that is very enjoyable and that mm-hmm. makes great difference the way our brain is perceiving the food. So that creates early satiation in comparison if you are eating something which is much more bland, for example. Right. So I talk about pleasure. I talk about sourcing food uh, to explain the way that the French source ingredients and how you can independently where you are source food that are more close or closer to nature or less processed because you can find it everywhere in the world (laughs) i just have to look for it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh the way the way the french are moving anyway i mean 40 different hacks that really people can extract and use in their lifestyle and the book is combined with uh, a workbook so it's the book is the 40 acts and then you can download uh, a workbook which guides you for a week of how can I live like a French, eat like a French with meal plan, recipes, uh, some activity that are recommended like working after dinner, working after lunch uh, and doing some, some pleasant activity to decrease uh, the amount of stress and try to move you into that Frenchy lifestyle. I would say that at the end, if you were CGM, will guarantee 
improve your glucose management. <laughs> gotcha. I love it. And that book is being released in the next few weeks, right? Exactly. The book is released mid-December in Amazon. It will be okay. available and it's a, it will be an ebook. Uh, it is the first edition. We'll do uh, ebook, which is the spreading of the book and, yeah. uh, and the workbook will be downloadable on the webpage. Okay. Wonderful. Such fascinating information. I, I love it. I think it's so interesting how we get caught up in fad, like exercise plans and diet plans and all these different theories really does come down to blood sugar and blood sugar management for our ultimate health, because that's not just connected to metabolism. It's also connected to inflammation. And those are the two things that really are at threat for sure. So love this discussion is fascinating. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do so? So if people want to learn more, uh, I really encourage them to go to my Instagram. Instagram is the main, I would say, where I published everything that I'm doing. So my Instagram is at the underscore glucose underscore chef. Uh, and then there is the access to every, everything I do. So I have a free ebook that is downloadable from directly from Instagram. And obviously, I will be talking about the book, the release of the book mid-December. I also have a free masterclass that can, people can take and learn a first pass around how do the French are living. Yeah, yeah, love it. <laughs> and uh, how to use it in daily lifestyle. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this conversation. Now I have a, a window into what the French are doing. Sounds like we need to restructure our city, redo our farmlands, redo our legislation and government <laughs> and wear <laughs> monitors to get our glucose levels straight. So no, I'm I just kidding. A, I think a great start is using a CGM and start shifting progressively the way we are eating. Yes. That makes a huge difference. And yeah. then tweaking from there because food is I would say 80% and then tweaking the rest, rest, rest. Yeah, uh, I think just, that's, and I think the <laughs> importance too, like, again, I learned that lesson, but just thinking about a lot of my patients and clients and people that I meet, like stress is a big one, right? So rushing in, is. being starved, like hurrying up and eating really fast because you're starving and then not feeling full. So you go back for more and then starting that all again. Like there's a lot in our culture and behavior that I think we have to force change individually before it can exactly. become systemic, you know, for sure. So anyhow, yeah. this is fascinating. I love it. I absolutely and love when, it. You Were you going to say something else? Yes. I was going to say that there is many different behavior that we don't necessarily know that have an impact on our right. body. So for example, eating fast, maybe people don't know that, that if I eat fast, I'm going to eat more because my body is not perceiving the food I'm eating. And then once you know it you unconsciously start acting on it. And yeah. that's, the, that's the very powerful aspect of the CGM because including if you're only monitoring but not doing anything, at the end, you will be doing something to improve your numbers. Yeah, fascinating. Because in the reading, that's provoke action. Totally. And I agree with that. I mean, I think, I think it's such a great way for you to get real-time data on what your how your life and the living of your life is playing out in terms of your health. And I think it's such a great tool. So if you guys can get one, I would definitely recommend getting one. So you they usually have to be prescribed or you can pay out of pocket, but they're they're worth the investment for sure. 
Well, Chef Matt, thank you so much for taking time out today to to join us from Chile. I love it. From I feel like we went from Chile to France to America and <laughs> you know talked about how oh, it's a universal language. So thank you again <laughs> thank for that. Um, of course. And then for the rest of you watching or listening to this episode of the podcast, thank you so much for joining. Don't forget you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. I'll see you guys next time. 